0: version. If you have your own Bible, you may have a different translation, but the words will be up on the screen as well. The Bible says this, as Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethphage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them ahead, going to the village over there. He said, as soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you are doing, just say, the Lord needs them, and he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Now, most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road, and Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, praise God for the son of David. Blessings to the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. Now the entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this? They asked. And the crowds replied, it's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Let me pause for a word of prayer. God, we come to this moment of our worship service to receive of your word today. We are hearing about the triumphal entry, and God, let the words that are going to be shared today really speak to the hearts and minds of those who are listening, that they can not only listen, but apply it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, ladies and gentlemen, usually on Palm Sunday, as you see in our decorations as well, you saw the children waving their palms as the very first song in today's service. We talk about how Jesus' triumphal entry was going into Jerusalem, and he was riding humbly on a donkey, and the people were laying out the garments ahead of him. And they were shouting, Of some of your translations say, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heavens. But what I want to do today, ladies and gentlemen, most of you know this story of what took place, and I can certainly preach different topics on that that passage of verses 1 through 11. But I want to go into another passage that is sometimes not preached about so much in church, and that is found on verse 12 of that passage of uh, chapter uh, 21. It says, Jesus, Think about this, ladies and gentlemen. He was processing in. Other, tra- other uh, uh, gospels say that it was the next day. But here in Matthew, the writing says that Jesus entered a temple and began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. So I'm going to pause there for a moment. So why would Jesus come into the temple to drive out the sellers and f- start flipping tables? Because what he saw, what was, ha- well, he saw what was happening in the temple. It didn't reflect on what, who God is and who God was. It was a misrepren- misrepresentation of what the church is supposed to be known for. Last week, I was uh, at the end of my sermon, I invited anyone that uh, would like to share what they think the purpose of the church is and I got several responses and I want to share them with you as, again, from the congregation without any names, just letting know what uh, the responses were. So again, keep this in mind, what is the purpose of the church was the question. So let me share several. A church that consistently provides God's word and teaches us what worshiping our Lord means, specifically to normal, everyday life. A church that helps us to see exactly what following his word means in our lives and gives clear guidance of how to walk in faith. What's the purpose of the church? In terms of what the church does, provide. Provides support when we need it. Provides opportunity for those to lead and grow. Provides outlets and love. Provides light when there is darkness. Provides connections. Another one says, the church as followers of Christ are here to be the hands and feet and voice of God and serve God's creation based on the word in both the Old Testament and New Testament. Considering that the word Jesus gave his life so that that all may live, that's pretty high bar. To me, that means my behavior and inner thoughts need to be as Christ-like as possible, and I need to to humbly repent when I fail, to turn away from my old ways and try again. Another person said, a place for God's sheep to gather in fellowship to worship and praise his name, study his word, and from there go out to the world with actions of love. What's the purpose of the church? The church is the most important place in our community to gather safely, leaning on each other to learn, to share, and grow, and conform to the likeness of Christ. In a broken world that is running away or diluting the importance of God and his sovereign commandments through the loud voices of media and internet propaganda, every community needs churches to hold steadfast by having a louder voice and not a giving in to society's misled ways. The church is to remain laser-focused on God and continue to provide his unchanging doctrine for many generations to come. Another one said, I believe that ultimately the purpose of the church is to convert people to believe in Christ, welcoming them into a church that is growing in sanctification as a reflection of God's will where they become members of the church body and continue its growth towards ultimate sanctification. What's the purpose of the church? I think the purpose of the church is to help those in need, whether it be physically, spiritually, financially, or otherwise. We are to reach out to our neighbors and show them the hands and feet of Jesus. I also feel... The church is a place to share worship together to renew us each week. The church should be a place of sanctuary for all hurting souls. We should love everyone regardless of their race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, social status, political stance, and etc. We should be sharing the good news with all. We should be teaching the word of God as it is written. Not changing it to appease certain people or to gain popularity. What's the purpose of the church? One person says, I see the church as a medical center for the human spirit. We live in a secular and divisive world full of people and things that draw our attention away from God and the mission that God intends for all of us, for all of our lives. The church recharges our soul and reminds us that we worship a God that loves us and wants us to stay true to him as we work to assist one another in our individual journeys. We all get distracted by the world, but the church is God's way of keeping our minds and souls on track. Granted, we are all sinful and fall short of doing what God wants us to do, but I believe the person wrote that the church gives us the community we all need to strive on to serve our Creator instead of things that are just temporary. And one last one said, uh, The church should be a house of prayer. Reminds me of that verse 13 of that chapter 21, when Jesus is already flipping the tables and then he responds to, the, to this question because he said on verse 13, he said to them, the scriptures declare my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. When we think about that, talking about money changes and den of thieves. The money changes were a part of a system that put a lot of faith and trust in forms and material aspects of worship and religion and too little faith and trust in the heart and substance of worship and religion. To focus just on the connection of money changers and the den of thieves and believe that Jesus was upset about the commercial aspect of what was going on is not the whole picture. It is likely the situation Jesus was, like in the Old Testament prophet, using his actions and words to send a message that goes beyond a literal understanding of his words. A key can be found in going back to the Old Testament book of Jeremiah chapter seven, I'll be reading verses eight through 11. It says, "Don't be fooled into thinking that you will never suffer because the temple is here." It's a lie. Do you really think that you can steal, murder, commit adultery, lie, and burn incest to Baal and all those other new gods of yours and then come here and stand before me in my temple and chant, we are safe, only to go back, right back to all those evil things again? Don't you yourselves admit that this temple, which bears my name, has become a den of thieves? Surely I see all the evil going on there. I, the Lord, have spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, in this Old Testament reading, we find that God is angry with the way his people are behaving and sends Jeremiah into the temple to warn them that he, what he is going to do something about it and if they don't change their wicked and evil ways. God thinks the people are relying too much on their trust in the temple and not enough in doing what he expects from them. From Jeremiah, God warns that he can and will destroy the thing they are trusting in if they do not do what he commands them to do. It is kind of an Old Testament version of repent and be saved. In the gospel book of Matthew, Jesus is telling his generation they are putting too much trust in the temple and ignoring the more important things that God demands of them. He makes it clear a few verses after this when he debased the priests over children calling him the son of David that he certainly is speaking with authority and for God. And in fact, Jesus implies that he doesn't just speak for God, he is God. Amen. Amen. You see, ladies and gentlemen, this temple story is consistent with Jesus' message throughout his entire ministry. And in fact, this week, you know, talk about Palm Sunday, Jesus was setting his way of what was going to take place at the end of the week. Again, that chapter, uh, excuse me, chapter 21, verse 13, Jesus said again, he said to them, the scriptures declare my temple will be called the house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. What have we turned our temple to be? Is it something that is pleasing to God? Are we truly representing who God is in our lives? The same way that Jesus was going into, uh, into Jerusalem and people were humbly um, placing their garments and praising him and saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. is more of submitting themselves to allow the king to come in to Jerusalem. Can you allow the king Jesus to go into your life, into your hearts, and into your minds? to humbly do so. I pray that you allow Jesus to make make it into your heart, into your minds, into your souls, where you can say shouts of uh, acclamation, but not be just more of the outward expression, but what can Jesus do inside of our lives? When you allow Jesus to come into your life, you can't be afraid to let him turn the tables that need turning in your life. Why do I say that, ladies and gentlemen, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20? It says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. brothers and sisters, although you may be scared that Jesus, what Jesus will find in your life as soon as you accept him, let me say this, he already knows. And guess what? Even though he knows, he still wants a relationship with you. And just as we heard, he paid the highest price for you and for me. Let me also say this. When you truly accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you better know that he has the power to change things in you and has the power to change things in me. But we must be willing to do our part. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. But let God, that's where it is, but let God. It is allowing us to make sure that we're making that decision. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus came into the temple He flipped the tables and cleared out the cellars. Let's see what happened on verse 14. He said, the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. When you let Jesus into your life, you better be ready for him to flip the tables on you. Let him flip the tables of pride. Let him flip the tables of lust. Let him flip the tables of deceit. Let him uh, flip the tables of addiction. Let him flip the tables of adultery. Let him flip the tables of pornography. Let him flip the tables of sexual immorality. Let him flip the tables of hatred. Let him flip the table of racism. Let him flip the table of prejudices. Let him flip the table of bitterness and hatred. Ladies and gentlemen, let Jesus flip any table that does not represent God in you. When you allow Jesus to flip the tables, although it can be painful when it happens, when those tables in your life are turned and cleared out, ladies and gentlemen, that's when true healing starts happening in your life. It is more than just an outward expression. Jesus is cleaning you from the inside out. When Jesus flips those tables in your life, when he has cleared things out, what remains, or should I say who remains, is Jesus. The king of kings, the Lord of lords, the doctor of doctors, the healer of healers. And then, therefore, when you have Jesus in your life, you can be like those individuals that were receiving Jesus and saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest, hallelujah. Don't be afraid to allow Jesus to come into your heart. And even those that have been a members for so long in a church. Maybe it's possibility you've come to church many years, but you don't have a close relationship with Jesus. I don't know exactly where it is, but in the, uh, the, in the New Testament it says, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And I'm wondering how many people who go just to church so that way they can get a check mark and saying that I was there, but they don't have a true relationship with Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, as you receive Jesus into your heart, do not let him be afraid to turn the tables that do not represent God in you. He wants a relationship with you, each and every one of you individually. Let us pray. Dear God, we come before your presence asking for forgiveness. If we have made the church something other than what you intended it to be, we humbly submit ourselves and open the doors of our hearts and minds, allowing Jesus to come in and turn the tables that are not pleasing to you. Help us by the guidance of your precious Holy Spirit to be true representatives of Christ in our homes, in our workplaces, in our churches, in our communities, and the world's. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Let me share, before the band comes to close the service, let me share a few uh, next steps with you. This week as we celebrate Holy Week, and we, we not just celebrate, but really just think of, of what happened the week of our Lord and Savior Jesus' life. And the lives of others. There's a, a seven-day devotional series that is titled Pause, Ponder, and Pray. You can, uh, you can uh, sign up on the YouVersion app. This plan is designed to provide a special time alone with the Lord this Holy Week, every day this week. And each day you will be prompted to pause, ponder, and pray through a message of Christ in the Gospel of Matthew. And in fact, all this week at noontime, check us out on Facebook Live. Uh, We will be going through this uh, series, but we'll include the scripture references, a little devotion, and just a song every day. It'll probably be about maybe 15 minutes long, but we want to do something every day during Holy Week, Monday through Saturday, as we prepare for the celebration of Easter. I also let you know, uh, please mark your calendars for April 8th, as I will be joined by a few leaders to provide you with the latest information about our, our, our temple, our church and facilities, and where we may need your help. And lastly, ladies and gentlemen, I pray that you receive the word today. And if you need prayer after the worship service, our lay pastor and Stephen ministers will be actually in the area of the, uh, of the wiggle room, which is in the back there, after they're cleared out. We want to make sure that we pray for you and with you may god bless all of you and may god's spirit lead you throughout this week to reflect the word of god in your life and god's people would say amen Amen. please stand for the closing song